1: Welcome to the Underground, the Steel City Underground, a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast made by fans like you. For fans like you, now here's your host, Joe Kuzma. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Kuzma. Once again, flying solo today, giving you my thoughts on the Super Bowl. Let's just cut right to the chase. How many of you out there in Steelers Nation, assuming all listeners are members of Steelers Nation, I understand this may reach some other NFL fans, maybe some New England Patriots trolls who like to just... I don't know, make random stupid comments on all of social media and on the website and everything else. Move along. There's nothing else to see here. We don't want to see you. And more than likely, if you're on the same side of the fence as I am, we don't want to see you win either. We don't want to see Bill Belichick and Tom Brady best Chuck Knoll and Terry Bradshaw with five Super Bowl victories. In fact, most of us, and you know what, I used to hate Michael Jordan as a basketball player too. As a Cleveland Cavaliers fan growing up, many, many miserable memories of that. As most Cleveland sports fans have miserable memories, but I used to hate Michael Jordan, and it wasn't because I hated Michael Jordan the man, or I didn't even really hate Michael Jordan the player. I hated losing to him. I absolutely hated that feeling. Just constant like not being able to get over the hump and I think that's how we feel a little bit as Steelers fans this is like this is the roadblock the New England Patriots machine the Patriots way and we don't like it any further because we know that Patriot way has an asterisk next to it spy gate deflate gate whatever other gates that you want to throw on there we think that for a, a long while this franchise may have been cheating I think they lucked out with Tom Brady just as much as we may have lucked out getting Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh, but to, you know, the victor goes the spoils. So maybe at the end of this whole Tom Brady and Bill Belichick era, I could look back and respect their accomplishments. And even now I can kind of look at it that way. It's been a long, long time. I remember the whole thing with the tuck rule and pretty much everything that, is involved like Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. They've left their mark on the game. But right now, I don't like them. Sorry, Pats fans. Cannot root for you. Like many other people, like I had discussed with Terry in the last episode for the WTF show, I am a temporary Falcons fan if for just one weekend, one game. Super Bowl Sunday. Maybe, you know, this is, uh, this is one of those things where I'm kind of excited because there's a team that hasn't won it before, being the Atlanta Falcons. They definitely belong here. They had a great season, 13-5 and overall, now New England 16-2. and We'll get into some of these statistics soon, but I've always liked to see the teams that haven't won it or haven't been in it get there. You know, the underdog sort of thing. I'd still like to, as much as I don't like the Cleveland Browns one day, I think it would be nice for them to maybe make it just as long as it's not at the expense of the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot easier to root for teams that aren't in the same conference, like the Detroit Lions. It was nice and easy to maybe root... Well, root for anybody against the uh, Patriots, except for maybe the last time with the Seahawks. I mean, I've had some games here over the last few years where I could only watch the commercials, so at least I could, like, kind of sympathize and get on one team's side, being the Falcons, because when it was Baltimore and San Francisco, I couldn't, I could not stand either of the Harbaugh brothers. When the power went out in the, um, Mercedes-Benz Superdome down there in Louisiana. I was hoping they would cancel the game. They wouldn't even play it. Now, I'm being facetious because, of course, they wouldn't. It's I mean, they wouldn't cancel any NFL game, I don't think, ever, let alone the Super Bowl, maybe a preseason game. I think a preseason game did get canceled, actually, just in this uh, last season here. So Atlanta Falcons, do you think they have a chance? I think I saw somewhere that everybody pretty much America feels by poll that they want Atlanta to win but they think New England is going to. Man, that sucks. But at least it's an underdog mentality. And I think that the Falcons have a lot of similarities to the Pittsburgh Steelers here. And I had an article over on Steel City Underground, but I'd like to elaborate on it just a little bit. Okay, so the Falcons have coach Dan Quinn. He's in his second year, and he's led his team to a Super Bowl. And he's formerly a defensive coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks which, of course, played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So Dan Quinn is familiar, and rightfully so, familiar with this New England Patriots team and what it might take to beat them. Mike Tomlin was also a second-year head coach when he brought the Steelers to the Super Bowl. And coincidentally, Dan Quinn and Mike Tomlin share a link because Quinn was a coach at William & Mary College in 1994, where Mike Tomlin was a tight end and receiver on that team. And I believe Sean McDermott, who was a defensive coordinator with the Panthers and just landed a head coaching job, which pff, pff, fizzle pop just went out of my head where he got the job, but uh, they were all on this squad and they were saying it's the coaching factory. So, they have that common link. And of course Tomlin was a defensive coordinator for a year as well before landing a head coaching job and I had just mentioned that Quinn was a defensive coordinator for two seasons with the Seahawks. So, you have that Similarity, both of these guys already have Super Bowl rings as assistants. That's pretty cool. Uh, Tomlin got his with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a defensive backs coach. Now, that's where the similarity ends. I mean, Quinn has always been a defensive guy, but he was a defensive line coach for much of his career, and he has quite a bit of college experience as well. He is older than Mike Tomlin after all. He was his coach, right? So offensively, you have great – You have good quarterbacks on both squads you got Matt Ryan and you got Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan is has like four or five seasons less in the NFL than Ben Roethlisberger does doesn't have quite as many games played but he's still thrown for th- over 35,000 yards and 240 touchdowns over 240 touchdowns that is so he's catching up to Big Ben so they're both stellar arms, and in fact, both teams sent all four of the following positions to the Pro Bowl this year. Well, they would have had they played, of course, many of the Steelers, actually all four of these guys pulled out from the Pro Bowl, and uh, the Falcons players, are in, as by virtue of making the Super Bowl, were not obligated and did not play in the Pro Bowl as well, but both quarterbacks made it, both running backs made it, both wide receivers made it, and both centers made it. And let me tell you, the center position, a huge change this year for both teams. Marquise Pouncey coming back to the Pittsburgh Steelers, making his presence felt there in the middle. Don't think Pouncey gave up a sack all year, helping Le'Veon Bell, another pro bowler, to just eye-popping statistics, even with an injured groin, mind you. And we'll have more on that information in our next show. I'm not going to go into that. Still geared towards Super Bowl and similarities and why you should maybe like the Falcons here. Alex Mack came over from the Cleveland Browns as a free agent. And he's had uh, another great season as well, and he's paved the way for Devonte Freeman. Or Devonta Freeman, I'm sorry. But both Freeman and Bell, over 1,500 all-purpose yards. And Freeman has done that in, the la- in double-digit touchdowns, I should say, as well in the last two seasons. Bell fell short in the regular season by one. He only had nine TDs this year, but he also missed three games. And Bell, of course, was hurt in 2015, but also put up the same type of statistics in 2014. So very similar dual-threat type running backs. You have Julio Jones and Antonio Brown, who are both among the game's best receivers. Maybe a little bit of different style. But these guys just, what was it, Julio Jones had like 300 yards receiving in a game this year. And then you see Antonio Brown just do all kinds of uh, ridiculous. Maybe what was it? Thirty-two straight games with at least like five, with at least a catch, and then there was like however many games with five catches and at least fifty receiving yards. And these guys are just making up stats. And I think uh, between Julio and Antonio Brown, they own three of the uh, four top seasons ever by wide receiver in multiple statistical categories, including receptions. So. That would be the four pro bowlers there. You also have some tight ends who many people weren't expecting to do anything this year. Austin Hooper was supposed to play behind Jacob Tamme. He was a third-round rookie for the Falcons. And then you have Jesse James, a second-year player, fifth-rounder, who's supposed to play behind Darius Green. Both of these guys end up coming out... And having decent years, despite no one thinking that they were going to be starters. So I think that's a pretty interesting similarity. One that's maybe a little more of a stretch. And I actually originally thought of this because I had swore someone said Austin Hooper was the fifth-round pick. But he's not. He's a third-round pick. He went on day two instead of day three like Jesse, and maybe 100 picks or so later. But that's where that's where a lot of things don't end, just on the offense. Defensively, both of these teams have second-year first-round draft picks, Vic Beasley and Bud Dupree, and Vic Beasley was a monster this year. He had 15.5 sacks on the season, and they both had 4.5 sacks in the month of December in that first game, whatever, New Year's Day we're including as part of that. So Beasley and Dupree right on the same pace there. And Dupree, of course, only had four and a half on the year because he only appeared in seven games, only had four starts, and one or two of those games he was very limited as he came back and worked into football shape. On the other side, the edge rushers. (laughs) There's veterans there as well. Dwight Freeney still getting it done as 36 years old, two years younger than his counterpart that I say he's similar to with James Harrison. Both have won an AFC Defensive Player of the Year award. And, of course, Harrison was the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year 2008. Freeney had three sacks this year. Harrison had five. But they're both still getting it done at a very high level toward the back end of their careers. Awesome, solid veteran edge rushers. And then, of course, you have rookie safeties. I remember the Steelers brought in the guy that the Falcons ended up taking in the first round this year, Keanu Neal from Florida, they were looking at him, but he went early, and he went to Atlanta. And he started all 14 games he's appeared in. He was a little banged up to start the season. I think he had some type of knee procedure, and they thought that maybe his draft value would fall or whatever, but it did not. And, of course, Sean Davis took over the safety spot for eight games as a starter with the Steelers. Maybe would have been a little bit more. But they had the work already Burns in, and during that time, uh, Davis was playing the spot or the role that William Gay would shift over to, but was originally, I believe, penciled in for Senquez Golson before his training camp injury. So there are some of the similarities between the Falcons and the Steelers now. Will the result on Super Bowl Sunday be the same with the Falcons getting trounced by the Patriots? I think a lot of people are reading too much into this Pittsburgh Steelers loss. I know I've gotten into arguments with so many of you. I'm sorry, I just I'm a fiery guy. I like to debate. And that's all it really is. I I find it in good fun, but sometimes some guys can be insulting or gals. They insult too. Sorry, Terry. <laughs> so uh the result the Steelers offense just didn't get the job done. A lot of people were blaming it on the defense. I don't think that you're necessarily gonna stop New England. The game plan well. They have weapons. Edelman's dangerous. I don't like Blunt. I do like Deion Lewis, though. I think Deion Lewis is a solid guy. How about this for a fact? Patriots haven't lost a game that Deion Lewis has played in. Isn't that a weird statistic? But regardless, I see Matt Ryan across the field who 373 completions on 534 attempts, 4944. Try saying that three times fast. Yards passing and 38 touchdowns. You know whose numbers those are like? Those are like Tom Brady's numbers. Now, Tom missed four games this year, so he only threw for 3,554. 28 TDs, 100 less attempts. You give him those four games and the few that he kind of sat out at. And maybe they have similar numbers, but it reminds me of maybe a young Tom Brady. That's who we're looking at with Matt Ryan. Julio Jones, 83 catches, 1,409 yards, six TDs. Freeman, 227 attempt on the ground. He went over the century mark and had 11 touchdowns rushing. LeGarrette Blunt had 18 touchdowns this year. That's what I think. I really don't like LeGarrette Blunt. You know, we should still be angry about LeGarrette Blunt, and there's an article you could read over on SteelCityUnderground.com as to why we should be mad at LeGarrette Blunt. Look, this guy was in the car with Lev Bell. Could Bell be an adult and say, no weed in my car? Sure he could. But you know what? That got his hand slapped. He never did fail a drug test with the NFL, but he was put into that stage one or stage two or whatever one it is in the policy that gets you tested more frequently because of his off-field problems. And then there was that whole screw-up. We never got the full details. They're not supposed to say it. They weren't even supposed to tell you that he was, that Bell was suspended or for what reason. there was They violated their own confidentiality or privacy policy there. We talked about this last summer here on the podcast, and they admitted some type of fault because they reduced down the three games per appeal. I mean, if there wasn't something that went on the first time around with Blunt, Bell wouldn't have been into this policy and then been nabbed. and He should have been facing 10 games, which is the second half of this, but he keeps getting into these exceptions or clauses, and he still hasn't failed a drug test. That's most importantly. They say it was a miss. A miss is different than a fail, but it counts as a fail because they think that repeat offenders are going to try and skip out on these tests like Martavis Bryant, who did fail a test. And why are they skipping out on it? It's because they don't want to take a test and come up with a fail. So I understand why a miss is a fail, but technically Le'Veon Bell has never been proven to have done this I still believe his apology on ESPN was sincere. But this all starts with LeGarrette Blunt before this preseason game where we're supposed to fly out to Philadelphia. They get pulled over. The cop smells marijuana. There was another girl in the, in the car. Apparently Bell was the driver. He gets nabbed for a DUI and also – whatever possession with marijuana. He gets probation. I think it was 18 months legally through the courts. He gets suspended by the league. He gets put into this other stage of which he gets suspended again. This all starts with LeGarrette Blount. You want to know what else LeGarrette Blount did? Steelers still paid him some money. Was it last season? This was two years ago now. So 2014, Le'Veon Bell gets hurt in the final game of the regular season when the Steelers win the AFC North. Host to get the right to host a playoff game at home. Guy's done for the season, has to have surgery, has to rehab, and the Steelers have nobody in his place. Where's the backups at? We heard that this year with all the weapons. Well, it's the same thing. They weren't expecting to have Martavis Bryant suspended and Marcus Wheaton uh, get put on injured reserve. So, just like that before, these guys had LeGarrette Blunt. They signed him in free agency from New England. And then it ended up paying him uh, dead cat money or whatever because he pouted and walked out of a game in Tennessee, went to the bus. If you remember all this, then you're going to hate New England even more on Sunday. And you should because this guy screwed over the Steelers a little bit financially. It wasn't a huge sum of money, but it was still something that maybe they could have gave to somebody else preferably. And he wasn't there. Now, not only was he not there when they lose to the Baltimore Ravens in that wild-card game in 20, the 2014 season, I think it was actually January of 2015 the game was played, you don't have Blunt, you have to sign Ben Tate, who is responsible for at least one, if not two, of the turnovers or had a part in it, and the Steelers lose that game. If they had Blunt, maybe that doesn't happen. But not only adding injury to insult. This guy pouts because Le'Veon Bell ran for it was his best game of that year against the Titans, and it was his career high, two hundred some rushing yards. But then this guy leaves, and coincidentally, New England is running back poor. They've had injuries, and they need somebody, and guess where he goes? It's almost like it was a setup. And not only does he go to New England, he helps them get to the Super Bowl and win it. Ridiculous. So I really cannot stand Garrett Blunt. Do not like him whatsoever. Comes off as very selfish. Very selfish. And that wasn't the first thing he did. He got into a fight with Joey Porter at training camp. Uh, you know, just every incident. The pot, the suspensions, roping Bell into that, which lingered on and then still hurt us this year. And he's still helping the Patriots win all these games. 18 touchdowns. Do I think it's necessarily that Blunt is that great of a player? Look what happened uh, with the law firm when he went to the Bengals. That guy disappeared and was out of the league in like two years. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, if you forget who that is. It's part of the system, but he's selfish. He wants Super Bowl rings. He wants to win. He wants to be the guy that says, look, I scored 18 touchdowns. I don't like him. He's hurt the Steelers in many multiple ways. Just another reason why you should root for the Falcons this weekend. Will he hurt the Falcons? Well, the Falcons defensively, they're 17th against the run, where New England is third against the run during the regular season. And Atlanta isn't very good against the pass either. They're 28th. So can you expect the same results? Well, I think Atlanta could keep pace. And you saw what they did to Seattle. You saw what they did to Green Bay. They didn't have an easy road to get to this path. They went up against Aaron Rodgers. They shut down the Seahawks, and they did it against the Seahawks' defense, too, which I think was a little banged up. They were missing um, Earl Thomas, who was gone for the year. They're first in points scored. New England's third. These are the two top-scoring offenses. But they were 27th in points allowed on D, and New England is first. They weren't allowing too many scores. But like I said before, who did New England play all year? The Steelers were knocking at the door. Twice in the red zone did not score. They hurt themselves. They fumbled. They threw a pick. They gave good field position on both of those turnovers, at least on the one, was like on the 30. Just hand hand New England a gift, hand them some more points. One big gain on the first opening drive, and Gostowski is is kicking it for three. They're putting points on the board. You cannot do that against this team. I think that's where Dan Quinn is already cooking this up. He's a defensive guy. Let's see what he does. But I think they're very similar teams, the Falcons and Steelers are. But maybe the Falcons don't make the same mistakes. Maybe they score touchdowns instead of kicking field goals. And that is going to drastically change the way that New England game plans and calls and makes any type of modifications to their own game plan throughout the Super Bowl, provided the Falcons don't give New England a lead right out the gate. Because let me tell you, this team is... They have not been playing from behind. And that happens when you're playing the Ryan Fitzpatricks and the Bryce Petties of the world and Cody Kessler, Landry Jones. And yeah, we know I like Landry Jones, but he's still a backup. He didn't do awful, but these guys played nothing but backups. Tyrod Taylor, Matt Moore. Yes, the Steelers played some of these same guys, but it was like every which way you turn around, they didn't have to face Le'Veon Bell for three quarters of that game. That's huge. That will not happen against the Atlanta Falcons because Tevin Coleman, who plays behind Devontae Freeman, is every bit as good as Devontae Freeman. Don't take my word for it. Just watch on Sunday. I think this will be a different game. Provided the game isn't too big for the Atlanta Falcons, this spotlight. They got here. They have turned this thing around. I think Dan Quinn, he's got his stuff together. And I think he has a chip on his shoulder playing new England from playing New England before. I think he has this opportunity now to get some revenge and do it as a head coach too. Brady and Belichick have been here before, and I think that plays into this role too. They've been here before, okay, they've got the experience, but sometimes it's just I don't know, maybe playing in the Super Bowl. What happens if they end up down two scores? Will it light a fire under Brady's butt? Is he He's super competitive from what I hear. He doesn't tire of looking at game film and everything else. But I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup. No mistake here, I'm leaning towards the Falcons because I think the Steelers still have that opportunity too. And if the Falcons can at least get the Patriots to turn the ball over one time, They're not a great running football team. Says here they were seventh in rush yards, but a lot of that consider they're playing poor teams. They're running the football to run the clock out, maintain time of possession because the other teams get behind. They start throwing the ball, and when they're playing with bad quarterbacks or they're missing some of their weapons, like, oh, my God, they played the Denver Broncos. They beat the Denver Broncos with Trevor Simeon. And Justin Forsett is the running back, and Forsett can't run, and Simeon can't complete a pass, and the Broncos' defense was really stellar. Now, I'm not saying the Falcons have the Broncos' defense, but it just gives you a larger picture of the Patriots, they tend to get a little lucky. If the Falcons can even get half the success on D that the Houston Texans did and the Steelers failed to do, I think we're going to see a close game. I think we're going to see one that at least the Falcons, hey, they're calling for about 60 points total here. These guys getting in the 30s. I don't know if we're going to get there, but I don't see why not either. Both teams could put up points. I don't see either side shutting down the other. This could be a shootout. It's going to come down to turnovers. It's going to come down to mistakes and penalties, as it always does. So with that, having said that, folks, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the commercials, and hopefully we see – that Billy and Tommy do not pass Chucky and Terry for that Super Bowl record. Until next time, be safe, be good, and I will catch you later. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com. So listen to podcasts. Check it out.
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 18 plus.